Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Two years of Wife of the Party. I can't believe it's two years. It's been a great two years. I've learned so much and had so much fun with my friends. I hope you've learned a lot and had fun too. So today's another good one. Courtney from the uh, the dog walking episode, dog, I don't remember, what, dog parenting episode, and Tanya from Cancer and from Clean Beauty Products. Both are back today because they were both adopted, which I thought was really cool. And I wanted to hear their experience of being adopted. And uh, we talked about it today. They've had kind of similar and kind of drastically different experiences as uh, adopted children. So I think it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed learning, uh, learning about those ladies in a different way. So I always enjoy learning. I hope you enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for coming back for two years. Aha, that's so amazing. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Tanya and Courtney about being adopted. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. I'm okay. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I've been looking for someone to have this conversation with, and then you guys just casually mentioned yep. <laughs> that you were adopted, and I went, oh my God, and yep. you mentioned it within a couple weeks of each other. So I love those synchronicities where it's just like meant to be, where something pops up. If it's three times, I'm always like, that's that's a little sign for Someone's me to, to tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> that means something. I think your, your mic may be a little high. I'm thinking Halston maybe. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, 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 Okay, so you were adopted. Yes. Yeah. I don't know anybody from my childhood that was adopted. Really? No. You probably do because a lot of people didn't know I was adopted. It's not something that I really talked about a lot. And Do you I look think, like your adopted family? Um, so I have a really weird story. So I was actually in foster care for several years, placed with a family, my sister and I. She's two years older, so she kind of remembers way more. I was like way young. So I don't really know that much at that time. But I was placed with a family for several years. And I don't know what happened, but it didn't work out. It was a family that had a lot of adopted kids, Mm -hmm. like tons. And I guess that's really common. Um, But I think there was like nine or 10 other kids. Oh, my goodness. And then um, my sister was a little bit older. And then for some reason, she didn't stay in that house. So it was just me. And after a year and a half, my grandma like went to war for us and she's the one who ended up adopting us. But Your she biological grandmother? my biological grandmother, but she adopted my mom. But and then my mom left at 14, got pregnant five years later, had kids and like 
she doesn't have any contact with her family. Mm. So I grew up with this like weird story of like, I'm adopted by family, but I also don't know my family <laughs> at that time. It was such a weird, um, very weird dynamic. So when I was in school, I didn't really see it for so long as adoption because I kind of put that first three years of like foster, being a ward of the court, all of that. It was really easy to like not remember it mm -hmm. because I was so young that by the time I was like 15 or 16, I think that's when it really hit me that like, oh, this is different. <laughs> this is completely different from how everyone else grows up. I just thought that that was how everyone kind of grew up, mm -hmm. you know, when you I guess because you're growing up and you see your sister and then you see everyone else like go home to their family and you just assume that every family is the same, I guess. Mm -hmm. So for me, I did. I think I had a lot of weird identity in the beginning of that. And so even when I told my friends later, like, oh, yeah, I'm adopted because of college. I got scholarships and all of that. And oh, I was a ward of the court. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because if they see you as a ward of the court at any time or um, a foster child, yeah, they, foster child they don't use your um, parents or whoever was your guardian. They don't use their income. So pretty much from day one at 18, they saw only my income as um, from foster care, from foster care. Yeah. So it's like a really weird story. And I actually met the family when I was 22. The family that was your foster that care family? first. Yeah, because oh, really? I, I was in three different homes. But the one that I was in the longest that had the most kids there. Um, I don't remember any of the kids. I think that would be interesting. But mm -hmm. I did meet her. I ran into her at Albertsons and she recognized me. Oh no way. Yeah. She recognized and you? And I was like really thrown off. Like what is happening right now? I called like afterwards. I called my mom and I was just like, like, what is this? Like what's happening? Because they were telling me so many different stories that I didn't even know. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like what? Like, well. I didn't even know at one point that I was in different homes okay. because I was so young. And my sister had she had a really hard time like she I don't think I was really affected by it, like little things that we'll probably get into. But since my sister was older, she was, I think, closer to five or six when we finally went back to my grandma's house. Mm -hmm. And um, so she remembers like pretty much everything. And um, she's had a hard life yeah <laughs> she's had a really hard like struggle with addiction she's mm. homeless like she has oh, wow. a really hard time with just like feeling um what's the word like not wanted but a feeling like, like a belonging a yeah. Type issues? yeah yeah like she really clinged on to friends mm -hmm. when I just clinged on to my grandma like, right that was who I clinged on to. You know, my therapist told me a long time ago that trauma that happens before age four, mm -hmm. like, if you can get yourself through age four, you have a much better chance of, you know, surviving yeah. any any kind of trauma. I definitely see that firsthand. If yeah. you yeah, make it to four mm -hmm. kind of intact, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. And then if trauma happens after four, you you kind of can figure it out but if it happens yep. before and through age four it's very difficult to kind of recover from oh wow that's interesting isn't it interesting mm -hmm. yeah. uh, my drama with my mom started when i was like seven mm -hmm. so such a sensitive time yeah well really it started when i was about five and a half mm -hmm. or so but i made it through four with a mom that was mm -hmm. home that took care of me that you know was all things considered a pretty good mm -hmm. mom yeah. so i feel like that 
definitely applies for my experience. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it applies for your sister's experience in the opposite way. Because I would bring that up too, where when my sister started, like she kind of just started leaving home around 14. And I was like way too mature from like the moment I was born where I was like, we have homework. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) But she just started to leave. And I was so, um, I was so like not aware of what drugs were or what any like hanging out with a bad crowd. I had like really nerdy friends. So I kind of stuck in that of like school and like wanting to do good. But my sister took a completely different path. And I remember telling my grandma like and anyone in my anyone in like surrounding like, I don't understand. We had the same childhood, like we had the same opportunity, the same schools, the same structure. And like what happened? Like I was so confused. And my grandma always said over and over again, like, no, you didn't. Like your sister went through a lot more than you did. She went, she, I think she went through multiple houses after she left the house I was in. Mm. And she was just like, you were young. You don't remember. Like you could, you were barely learning how to talk. Like your sister had the responsibility of not only taking care of herself, but like you as well. Right. 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 So it was a completely different experience. And even to this day, she's still like struggling. I haven't even talked to her about the experience because it's so like, so many big conversations mm-hmm. to have with her. Right. Um, but it is kind of like a weird dynamic to see like me and my sister. We both went through the same thing, but at different ages, mm-hmm. we're totally affected by it differently because mm-hmm. I'm happy that I was adopted. <laughs> like I'm more of like I saw how my parents were and I'm like, I don't want that for me. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was proud and happy to be where I was because I loved the structure. I loved how it was. I was like willing to go through the other stuff to get there. But my sister saw it the complete opposite. So you grew up, your grandmother got you back. Mm-hmm. So you saw your mom. Not until I was a teenager. Oh, okay. So my where grandma, she? she, it's actually a really funny story. <laughs> so my dad kind of just like, he was around, like, would call, not really. He moved to New York, so, like, he wasn't really there. Um, and my mom was, so the reason why she gave us up was she was 18 when she had my sister and I, 18 and 20. And she had already been living on the streets since she was, like, 13 or 15 or 13 to 14. And um, she became a dancer at 17 and then was an escort my entire life. Mm. So my grandma was very protective. Mm-hmm. And she, my mom moved a lot. Like, she went from to Texas, to Vegas, to New York, to like all over the country. And my grandma's just very, um, very much so structured and didn't want any of that around us at all. So she made it a rule like from the moment she legally adopted us that the parents weren't allowed around. So it was like an open adoption. So they would be able to call and like talk and on holidays they would try to like you know, give gifts. But it wasn't until I was like 13 or 14 when um, my grandma opened it it up to me and said, like, do you want this? Do you want to have more of a relationship? And um, that's when I actually like started to see them regularly. Not my dad because he was far, but my mom moved back to L.A. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to see her. And it was a whole thing, too, because then she had another kid when I was 15. Oh, wow. And that's when it all went down. Yeah. (laughs) Because that because before I was okay with it, I was like, I'm glad that you had your thing because I was very happy to be where I was. And then she had a kid and I didn't realize how much it affected me until years later. I was so angry. I was so angry. It was very weird. And even to this day, like I'm probably we'll we'll get to that. I want to hear your story, too. But 
it's a whole cycle because right now, just a year and a half ago, I took in my sister and raised her full time. What? Yeah. Oh, your younger sister? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. She's 12 now. Oh, wow. What? Wait, how long ago? Last year. Last year. Mm -hmm. Is she still living with you? So one, um, what is it now? January. In December, right when the school ended, her dad filed for full custody. Her dad decided to come around, but Mm -hmm. that's a whole issue on itself. So I'm probably going to have to be come the end of this year. um, Tony and I, my boyfriend, decided that we're going to go after full custody for her. Are you? Mm -hmm. So it's like just this weird full cycle where like I was able to see kind of what my my grandma went through with us Mm -hmm. um, last year for the last two years. My goodness crazy (laughs) that is crazy because your mom was adopted Mm -hmm. left at 14 right Mm -hmm. you and your sister were adopted your sister left at 14 yep right that's a cycle in Mm -hmm. and of itself Mm -hmm. the adoption is a cycle and now and now this my little your mother did it again yeah and this time around my mom is actually struggling like with mental health Mm -hmm. i think drugs but again i'm so like what's that (laughs) yeah right what are the sides (laughs) um but she's like she lost her job. She lost her car. She lost her house. Mm-hmm. And after that, everything went downhill. Mm-hmm. And um, I took in my little sister because we had the space. We were not typical 28-year-olds. Like We don't go out at night or like anything. Yeah. Like I see myself as a dog mom fully. So I'm like, I'm going to stay home with my kids. <laughs> so it wasn't a big transition at all. It was just more so of like the anger behind it. Cause when mm. I, when my mom told me she was pregnant when I was 15, I knew by the time my sister was my age then that I would be raising her. Oh. Like Did I you really? 100%. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. part of the anger was, I was right. How could you do this to me? Yeah. Probably when yeah. she told you mm-hmm. that she was pregnant. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. And I had a huge problem with kids after that. Like, I hated kids. Really? <laughs> it, it was like, and I was so in denial the whole time that I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the connection until I started doing the inner work in my 20s where I was like, oh, there is a problem there. Like, I right. do have some things that I didn't realize were um, interesting. And I think you even said something to me with with Georgia when she was born, how you were saying something uh, about... Um, if the mom isn't there during, what were you saying about like? I don't know. Um, if like if a kid isn't present with the mom during like birth, that's like a tra- traumatic experience or something like that. I forgot what you I said. Don't remember but it, that? It just like stuck to me. <laughs> huh? Where I, I think you mentioned during the last podcast that you had some kind of sickness or illness. Oh, in that's the right. First I know what you're saying. Hour or something like that. Yes, it was actually <laughs> the first week. Uh, first ten week. days. I I had a. Oh my botched epidural so oh. i had a spinal um which means the spinal fluid was leaking oh my gosh. Uh, and so, so scary the spinal fluid was low in my brain a- area so my brain was like knocking around in my head and oh it was gosh. the worst headache like it, i don't even know if you call it a headache i don't even think it was it's a like not a word for it <laughs> it was it was so bad that I would just whimper without even knowing I was Aww. whimpering. Mm-hmm. I couldn't sit upright. As soon as you sit upright, just pain. And I was, I mean, they basically, as soon as it happened, said, okay, here's what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to be on Vicodin heavily for about 10 days. Oh so oh I couldn't goodness. take care of Georgia. For t- I couldn't do anything because mm-hmm. I couldn't even sit upright. My aunt, luckily, who is a labor and delivery nurse, was here. And just extended her stay Mm -hmm. and stayed with Georgia and just took care of Georgia the whole 
time. Uh, and, you know, Georgia always had a really hard time sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it, I always wondered if it was because for the first 10 days, mm-hmm. she, Diane basically brought me, brought her to me to feed and then left. Mm-hmm. And she never saw me because I couldn't do anything. Yeah. I couldn't, I was like, I was in so much pain mm-hmm. and, or I was drugged, yeah. you know, so I just couldn't do anything. Yeah. So I always wondered about that. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, even with Annabelle, I think it's made, it definitely made a difference because when she was six months old, every time I had a surgery, I couldn't hold her for six weeks after right. that. Mm-hmm. And I had four surgeries. Right. Wow. Um, so, you know, it was like a whole year or a year and a half that we had those big chunks of time where I couldn't hold her. And now she she still wants to be like sleep with us and right. and be close to me. And, and how old is she now? Uh, she just turned five a couple days just ago. Five. Oh, yeah. happy birthday. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always wonder about that too, because when you, you know, you add up <clears throat> the six weeks each time, mm-hmm. it's a whole it's a big time. chunk of time that I wasn't able to really hold her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never even considered mm-hmm. it. I think until you mentioned that, I was just like, well, I was never held by my mom <laughs> right. or anything. It wasn't, I wasn't until I was graduating high school where I had both of my parents in the same vicinity for the first time. Wow. I saw them for the first time near each other. I was like, whoa, yeah. this is the first time that this has ever happened. And my grandma was a tough cookie. She wasn't like super like, oh, like loving. She's like <laughs> very tough. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that when you mentioned that and then along with something else, speaking of synchronicity, something else popped up where I was just like thinking about it that week. I was like, there are a lot more things I need to work on inner, like inner work that I just totally thought growing up, like, nope, adoption never affected me. Cause like you want to think that. And I told right. myself that for so long, but mm-hmm. then I started, I think towards my late twenties, I started to realize mm-hmm. cause I started to look into things <clears throat> that triggered me and I would notice a lot of the things mm-hmm. came back to that. Yeah. I think I, I don't, I didn't really, I don't know if I f- felt a big difference as far as, cause I always knew I was adopted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, but when I had Ava, when I had my first baby, I feel like that's that's when it really kind of all came out. And I remember I ended up with um, uh, postpartum like anxiety. Um. And so mine was, I, I, if I was, wasn't was with her, I thought something bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I know like so people get postpartum depression and they have a hard time taking care of the baby. But mine was actually like if I wasn't actually physically with her, I was having anxiety. Oh my goodness. Um, and it was the same kind of thing. You know, I ended up being pulled from work and seeing the therapist and she's like, well, a lot of times like people that you have like trauma when you're young, it doesn't come out until you have your own kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know, you know, so because when I I was uh, brought to my mom and dad's foster home when I was 18 months old. Wow. So I was with my biological mother up until then, but she would like, you know, have an aunt take care of me and mm-hmm. go off and, you know, live her life for a while and and then come back and then have someone else take care of me. Mm. So I was passed around kind of a yeah. lot. Um, and then when my mom and dad got me in their foster home, I finally had this like amazing, stable two parents who were, you know, the end all be all of parents because they were foster parents before and they had two of their own kids who were like nine and 10 years older. My brother and sister are nine and 10 years older than me. But then um, initially my foster mom, who became my mom, um, was supposed to just teach her how to take care of me. So my mm. biological mom would come and like take me out for play dates. And looking back on it, I was like, I can see what they were trying to do there. But at the same time, I think that it was really bad for me because yeah. here I had this great home. Mm-hmm. And then this woman who you know, 
I didn't wasn't really as attached, I suppose, yeah. um, would take me out. And I probably, as a one and a half year old, was kind of like, wait, what's happening? I'm going sure. back with, the, you know, her. Um, and she was, she was, my biological mom was very sweet. I've met her um, before, but she just didn't have that, I think, maternal, natural instinct. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's kind of like I tell people, you know, it was kind of like Britney Spears when she was going through all that stuff. <laughs> Because I, you know, I heard visual. stories. Yeah, exactly. It's like she would put soda in my bottles and, you know, maybe forget to change diapers. And wow. um, she brought me back from a play date one time and my mom was like, she's okay, but we were playing catch with her and we dropped her, but she landed in a laundry basket. So she's okay. And I oh was my like, gosh. You know, it was kind of like, you know, they were just playing catch, throwing me up in the air and kind of thing. And was she really young? She, she was, yeah, she was really early 20s. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting that we both, were able to me because I know so many I, I was so nervous to come and like talk about my story because I was like I'm not representing the people that don't ever know their biological right, parents right. but there are so many people even for me a lot mm -hmm. of the times my family we were passed around a lot to family members mm -hmm. as well until it becomes a point where someone in the family is like okay you can't keep passing the kid around right that's kind right, of how right, I ended exactly. up with my little sister is when my mom had a lot of trouble she you know she would stay at my aunt's and she would go to this person's house and then it would be like she started staying with friends and that's when I was like you can't let her just stay with friends for two weeks at a time she mm -hmm. needs structure yeah, yeah, you know exactly. like mm -hmm. she can't just think that she's hanging out with friends all day every day and and um I see that as a lot of common commonality of um adoption is I feel like that first year before you're actually placed into a home it's a lot of passing around and a lot of like kind of shadiness where you don't like your parents don't want people to find out because <laughs> that they can get in trouble but then it's also like you crave that stability so much that once you get to it like you said you were like you liked that stability mm -hmm. and then you, it's confusing to go back to that that other environment where you're like okay this is where I know I came from and this is where I should be and I want to be and it's almost like this tug inside that you have where it's like, at least for me, I felt when I was a little bit older and my mom started to come around, I felt guilty for like liking where I was. Like, oh. I felt very guilty and very um, like I wasn't supposed to prefer to stay with my grandma. Mm. I was supposed to prefer to be with my mom oh. or something like I had that struggle a lot. And it was very confusing for me because my mom, I feel like she tried to make a lot of promises because she wasn't raising us. So when she would come around after years and years and pick us up for dates and like little play dates or whatever, she'd make these huge promises mm -hmm. trying to like make up for lost time. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, I think, the biggest problem for me is when I would go back to my house, I'd have all these like big thoughts and big promises that I thought were going to come to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then my grandma would slowly have to tell me like, like, no, this isn't going to happen. So right. it was almost like this tug of like, well, is my is she trying to keep me from my mom? Or like, did you ever go through that as well where you were? I don't I don't think so. I think because um, I didn't meet my biological mom until I was 22. 22. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I don't okay. think. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to meet her, but I wanted to meet her to tell her that I was happy and good mm -hmm. and that she did the right thing. Right. Yeah. So I think that I could, <clears throat> I think, you know, my mom, my mom and dad, my mom that adopted me, I think she did a really good job as far as like your, your biological mom was very sweet. She just 
couldn't take care of you right kind of thing right so um so yeah so i think that that i grew up <clears throat> kind of realizing that i was in a much better situation than mm-hmm. i would have been in mm-hmm. if i had stayed with her yeah so i was i think more um i appreciated my situation yeah. that i grew up at grew yeah. up with my mom that adopted me <clears throat> for her career she took care of babies that was what she did oh, oh really nice. yeah she was she like ran infant centers mm-hmm. and she's naturally and like really motherly yeah, yeah yeah so i went from you hit the yeah. jackpot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you got the lottery ticket, the yeah. winning lottery ticket. I did. I did. That's I amazing. Mean, I went, yeah, I went, so I, yeah, I went from being passed around um, to like the end all be all mm-hmm. of, of moms. And my mom that adopted me, I call her mom. I don't, I usually say biological mom if I'm mm-hmm. talking about, you know, my biological mom because um, my mom is my mom. And, you know, she told me the story of when the foster woman brought me into their foster home. Um, it was on Halloween. And I oh, went wow. right to her and laid my head down and, you know, I handed out candy to the kids and everything. And, um, yeah. And she was only 28. I actually didn't really realize wow. how young my mom was when they got me in their foster and home. And she had kids, foster mm-hmm. kids be- and had, two yeah. kids. Yeah. Because she wow. had gotten married when she was 18 and had my my oldest brother and and then had my sister and then had fostered a couple of other kids and stuff. That's and, incredible. Yeah. yeah That's it really is incredible. incredible. So I, I've talked about this before, but... There was a moment for me in growing up when I realized my normal was not normal. Mm-hmm. And that realization is was hard. Yeah. Right. To go, hold on. Nobody else has all of these things going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's something wrong with me. Did yeah. you guys have that moment? And um, you maybe you didn't think something's wrong with me. But mm-hmm. what what happened when you had that moment? Yeah. Oh, I just had a thought and then it just went out of my head. I was like, <laughs> oh. And then, <clears throat> um, I mean, I think it definitely, as I got older I, and when I had kids, I feel like, you know, cause you, and then of course, when I got cancer, there was that whole other thing, like when, you know, you'd be filling things out and it would be like, you know, what's your ethnic background? And I'm just like, well, I don't know, all of the above, mm-hmm. yeah. right? you know? Um, so that was kind of something that was always there, not knowing medical history and not knowing ethnic background. Cause mm-hmm. you know, people would be like, Oh, Hey, what's your background? Are you, you know, German or Russian or Italian or whatever? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both kind of look like you can't tell. Everyone right. would love guessing that when I was younger, like, what are you? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, exactly. I remember when I was little watching Who's the Boss and I wanted to be Italian because that yeah. just seemed so, you know, that just seemed I'll so check. Cool. Italian. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> That's great. But I think when I had my kids is, I think, where it started becoming more um, of an issue as far as not knowing things mm-hmm. about myself. Um, and wanting to learn more about biological background and things like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But nothing made you feel emotionally, like did anything shift for you emotionally? As far as? Like realizing most people grew up with their biological parents, but I didn't. I don't know. I think because I always knew I was adopted. I right, think right. that, you know, that might be something that if someone didn't know they were adopted and then found out that that would be, I think, very traumatic. Yeah. I remember the moment like very clearly. Yeah, yeah, I do. Because I grew up in um, my grandma spent all of her money on our education. She's like, you're not going to public school. And now I could appreciate it because I wouldn't have survived in public school. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I grew up in Santa Monica and a lot of the schools I went to were very Hispanic and I look Hispanic, but I'm not. And so I always felt a little different in that aspect. 
but I fit in well, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But I had two best friends growing up that like were like my best friends, like sisters. We all have those where it's like you have your best friends, but you have someone who's like your sister. Mm -hmm. And I had two of them growing up and both of them had parents who were married since like like high school sweethearts. And I remember one moment they were all like doing family photos and I was there eating um honey bunches of oats because <laughs> I always remember with food and I was picking out the almond the almonds because I don't like nuts and one of the moms said to me like one day you guys are all going to be um, like married and have family and da -da -da -da. they were like talking about how we would one day be like have our pictures that we put up on the wall and I was just like no not me like <laughs> that's definitely not me and they were like they sat down and they thought it was a big moment where it's just like well why not why don't you feel that way I was just like I'm not getting married like I don't want kids that's not for me and the mom was like no you 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 always we always say that like don't worry one day you're actually gonna want kids want to get married and I was just like no like <laughs> I 100% do not want kids do not want to get married and I remember in that moment, because they were really trying to convince me otherwise. And I remember in that moment that I was like, oh, I don't see that as my reality because I've never once been around anyone who's married. Like, uh, right. I grew up with my grandma. That's it. Yeah. And my parents weren't married. None of my uncles were married or had kids. Literally no one in my family wow. had kids or were married. Everyone was single and struggling. <laughs> wow. So that's how I saw my reality for a very long time. And I remember that conversation still to this day, clearly, where I was just like, so like 100% like, no, you're wrong. Like, this is not me. This is not, I didn't see it as a possibility for me at all. And right. I think that's kind of what the seed planted in my head at that moment. And for the next like year or two, I think that's when I really started to realize how different I was from everyone growing up because I started to realize that like 90% of my friends had parents that were still married mm -hmm. and I never even was in a room like I said with my parents in the same room until I was graduating high school so I think that was the main moment honey bunches of oats <laughs> still won't forget <laughs> over a nice big bowl over, yeah <laughs> picking out the almonds and I was just like wow and I think that's why I had such a hard time when my mom had a kid because it was like a year or two later right and that's when I was just like oh well now this is a kid and it like it was a toxic relationship so it was even more um like it kind of clarified for me that it doesn't work like, right I was just like oh this is my example of it and it's clearly a failure so this isn't for me right and it wasn't until I met Tony where I was just like okay I, I want kids with you and I could get married with you but on like my my terms right right <laughs> like differently not like how normal like normal standards because I just don't see myself as that I don't see myself as like a normal which if we get corny I think it was until I started I opened Dog Squad LA, I started to see how families actually work. Function, oh, yeah. right. Because I come into people's houses, mm -hmm. I like walk in without, you know, no one knowing I'm there. And you kind of get to just see how people get their kids ready, how people come home from school, you know, the moms or dads when the kids aren't there. And that's why I've always loved you so much because you're just such like- <laughs> Chaos. I tell no, <laughs> I, I go, tell everyone. Okay, chaos is acceptable, okay. <laughs> but no, you too. you were really like a, an expander. I don't know if a lot of people know that term, but expander for me is um, 
like someone who shows you what's possible. Oh, like you showed me. Thank you. (laughs) You really showed me like being able to see. I just started this business four years ago. So I was 24. It wasn't until I was 24, 25 where I actually saw how families worked. Mm. And it was very trippy for me. And also just like very exciting, too, because it gives you more of a something to look forward to not like I saw myself as just like building an empire with a million animals and being like single for the rest of my life right (laughs) that's how I saw it working because I thought if you have a kid or you have a partner it's gonna somehow fail Mm. that's truly what I took from that whole experience which is so sad yeah that is sad mm -hmm. but but what else are you supposed to take yeah I mean how else are you gonna make something you can't make Mm -hmm. something up I had a similar experience where my mom is now divorced from her sixth husband but so growing up all I saw were like revolving door relationships that never ended in marriage Mm -hmm. and she divorced my dad when I was seven that was her longest relationship even to date was Mm -hmm. my dad Mm -hmm. so I just was like yeah I'm not doing that yeah so but I don't know how to do the other Mm -hmm. because my dad didn't marry again until I was in high school and two years later they divorced Mm -hmm. and so I was like I have no example. Yeah. The examples of marriage in my family were not marriages I wanted to mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. So until when I met Bert, I thought to myself, okay, this may be someone, believe it or not, people listening, <laughs> this may be someone I could marry. I better get some therapy. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this. That's so I don't funny. have a roadmap. The first thing I did too when I met Tony, I was yeah. like, this is a good one. I better not fuck this up. <laughs> right? <laughs> better go to therapy. Better go to therapy. Yeah. That's literally, I went to my therapist and I was like, I have a toxic friendship. I don't mm-hmm. know why I have it and I need to get rid of it. And I've met someone I could possibly marry and I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So could you help me out with that? Because I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, and so how was I supposed to know? I had mm-hmm. one family when my friend Becky, who I've talked about a million times, but lived across the street and she had one of four kids and her parents had been married since high school, married until her dad passed away about two years ago, massively in love. Mm-hmm. The kids fought like cats and dogs, loved each other like crazy. Yep. And it was a family. And mm-hmm. it was the first time I went in a family and was like, oh, wow. There's like a closet full of snacks. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> oh, that's speaking of snacks. So yeah, oh one of the gosh. things I think as far as like little things that affect you, um, when my mom and dad had me in their foster home, I would not leave the house without food, taking food oh, with me wherever I went. You're so insecure. Because, yeah, she's like, because I was probably hungry a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, to this day, I'm always, <clears throat> I'm always leaving the house. Oh, wait, I got to get a bar or I have to, <laughs> you know, it's like I always have to have something with me. So it's one of those little kind of silly things. But and I are think you that's hyper aware from that. with mm-hmm. your kids too? Do you send? Yeah. Ex- oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't imagine. leave the house without like a bunch of snacks for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, that's got I, to be from your early, early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah. It's always cool and like uncovering those things. Yeah. I'm like addicted to it at this point. <laughs> Once really I started cool. doing it, I was just like, well, what does this mean? Like, right. Because we're all just like little kids throwing tantrums on a daily basis. I truly yeah. think that like what we feel on a daily basis, all the things that trigger us are all from our childhood. Yeah, yeah. Just mm-hmm. us just like acting out. Right. We don't even know it's there because we've done such a great job at burying it. Right. right. But, and I mean, as far as relationships go, yeah, I always 
I always seem to date the guys that didn't want relationships. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, you know, I don't know why that was. And then when I like met Scott and started dating him and he actually like wanted a relationship and was telling me he loved me. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And I like backed away. I was like, I think we need to take a break. Mm -hmm. And then I saw how much that upset him. And then I realized, oh, wait, I, you know, it was almost kind of the same thing. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, I really love this person. I need to figure this out. Right. And I feel like though, even to this day, that kind of fear of abandonment there, like if something, Mm. if something goes wrong or if we start arguing about something, I hate that thought creeps into my mind like mm-hmm. okay this is it it's done he's leaving you know yeah. yeah so yeah I probably need to start seeing somebody too <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have a pretty good relationship so maybe it just hints a little sniff yeah. of it maybe well, I mean the thought comes in and then I realize I think that what it is and then I'm like okay wait I'm not gonna like you know say that's it Mm-hmm. Yeah. there's the door you know it's so I know that's what it is it comes in I think about it and then it you know I let it go that's pretty thing. healthy, though. Yeah. I mean, you can't prevent, especially probably because that's from the same thing the snack thing is from, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that this mom left you with people mm-hmm. all the time. And, you know, um, when is it that kids developmentally start having separation anxiety, like as a developmental? I think it is around is 18 it, months or something like that. Isn't that right? Wow, that's one early. Somewhere. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah some, maybe one. Yeah. I don't remember. But I know there's a certain phase mm-hmm. where they're just like, mom. Mm-hmm. Like, won't even take dad. Like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. I just want this person, whoever that person is. And it's very natural mm-hmm. and normal. So I'd imagine if you had a mom who just dropped you off yeah. here and there. Right. 10 months. Ten okay. Months. Yeah. And, I was, Ten and months. I was still with my foster, or I mean, my biological mom at that point. Yeah. And she's yeah. dropping you off at whoever's house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that yeah. would cause some abandonment. Mm-hmm. That's such a hard feeling to like shake too. I think with me, I had... um a lot of my common with even relationships outside of intimate or romantic relationships, mine was like, oh, are these people choosing me? Like that that might be the same kind of connected to abandonment. But I thought more so of like, well, in a relationship, like, does he really want to be here? Like, is yeah. he actually choosing me or is he like settling because I'm like a good girlfriend or something like (laughs) I do all the cute things it's like that's what he's there is he here for me or for like friends I would feel really insecure if like something were to happen and then I would be like well do they really choose me as a friend like it was very much so of like are people like I had a problem with like I don't know why for like 10 years I was always thinking I wasn't thinking are they choosing me but now that I have that as the what I've noticed was the problem. I don't remember what my actual thought was. Right. If that makes sense. But my like my thought process was they're um they either don't want to be here, they're kind of halfway in, halfway out, or they're just here because we've been friends a long time or something like that. And then it wasn't, I think it was like when I ended a very toxic relationship that I was in at 22, it was like middle school to 22, I was with the same person. And then he developed schizophrenia when we were together. And it was just like very toxic and traumatic and that's when I started to dig deeper into a lot of the things and um I realized that it didn't start with him like I thought Mm. it started with him Mm. the whole choose me abandonment issues and I think that when I left that and I was like really working on myself that's when I realized like oh I have abandonment like issues a lot of thinking not only are people do are they going to stay but if they're staying do they even want what's to their be motive here? yeah what's their motive yeah. I understand that I thought that too a mm-hmm. lot Where, but that really is about I think when your mother rejects you mm-hmm. for whatever reason 
it makes you feel um, unlovable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be loved. Mm-hmm. If my own mother can't love me, then I must who be too on this much. planet. Yeah. Could. Mm-hmm. Nobody is the answer that you come up with yep. when you're a child. Mm-hmm. Well, if she doesn't love me, then nobody. There's no way that you're here to just be my friend. Yeah. I I, I, know, I felt that way, too, even mm-hmm. though it's not adopted. Um, my All my issues came from my mom. So, yeah. And a mom that was not able to be a mom. Mm-hmm. So, Which is the same. It's pretty much one in the sort same. Sort of the same. Yeah. yeah. Sort of the same. I had other moms, like mm-hmm. other mom figures. Mm-hmm. But never a mom from from about four and a half on. Yeah. So it does make you question your value mm-hmm. and and who you are as being just inherently bad. Yeah. Um. So then, if you're inherently bad, mm-hmm. who in the world would ever hang out with yeah. you? Yeah. 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 And I. I mean, I. I grew up, um, thinking that my biological father never even knew I existed. So did he not? Um, well, it's it's kind of a long build up story, but um, I love long build up <laughs> stories. Too. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't know. If, do you know? You know, I actually found my. So this is OK. Let me go back a little further. So I have um, a half brother on my mom's side. So say mom, different dad. And I met him when I was 18. Um, and I have known him since then and become close with like his adopted family. And then I actually found out that his mom who adopted him, she babysat me and gave me my first haircut. And we played together, I guess, when we were little. And um, she had told me she told me, um, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so, a little less than that, that she had wanted to adopt me, too. Aww. But that she already had, I think, like five or six kids. So they're just, you know, she adopted my biological brother and. There just wasn't enough. But then, I, you know, it's it ended up fine yeah. because mm-hmm. I ended up, you know, with my mom and dad and that kind of thing. Um, but but um, so I met my biological mother when I was like 22. And then I talked to her again when I had like a fluid filled breast cyst to find out if there was any breast cancer in the family. But as far as my biological dad, um, uh, I yeah, I, I grew up thinking that. So, you know, they dated and then he left and then she found out she was pregnant and stuff. But um, about a year ago, or a little over a year ago, I had signed up for Ancestry DNA. Mm-hmm. And um, I just was like, oh, you know, you never know. And I had actually, in that meantime, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, my biological brother's sister had a phone number for a biological aunt on my mom's side. So I was able to call her and get some kind of family history. And I found out there wasn't any breast cancer in the family. Um, and I found, you know, listed names of aunts and uncles and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and then in that time period, I kind of found out my the biological name that I thought was my biological dad's name um, was only part of his name. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every once in a while growing up when I found out, you know, um, what his name was. And it sounds really funny, but um, I had even gone to a medium when Ava was about one years old. Yeah. And someone was like, who's Harry? Who do you know named Harry? And I was oh, like, that's well, awesome. I think oh I just God. love I was that like, stuff. I think my <laughs> biological dad's name was Harold, but, you know, kind of thing. And wow. then it just kind of was off, kind of went to the back. Um, and then, yeah, sure enough, I found out like his I thought his name was Harold Lee, but that was only part of his name. It was like Harold Lee Marriott. So mm. a year, um, a little over a year ago. I'm coming home from church. I sat down, my picked up my phone and it said, you have a new match. And I clicked on it and it said, um, and I guess I'm saying names or whatever, you know, but it <laughs> said my, my, uh, 
biological, it said it had a cousin. So it said I had a cousin um, named Dan. And so I clicked on it. And I was like, I wrote and I was like, oh, hey, it looks like we're cousins. And then I clicked on it and it pointed straight up and it said Harold Marriott. And I was like, I'm like, that's, oh. that's my biological dad. I'm like, we're not cousins. It's a brother. That's and a then brother. I like, <gasps> yeah. How did and you feel in that moment, though? Like, I felt like I was about strange. to drop like a bomb on this family. Wow. Because I was like, I was like, oh, my gosh, if my biological dad didn't know about me, then obviously they don't know about right, me. Right. Right. You know, kind of thing. So. Um, so, yeah, so I started like kind of panic. And then I was at work and uh, my boss was like, look, you're, it's not like you're showing up on their doorstep and saying like, hey, I'm your sister. You yeah. know, you can take they can do whatever they want with it. And um, but uh, in the moment when I was being so nervous, I actually um, ended up getting another message from an, one of the other brothers. And he said, I hope it's OK. I'm getting in touch. I'm just so excited to have a sister. Oh, so, amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did you meet them? Yeah, I did. <laughs> when did you meet them? <laughs> um, so I met them. So this last summer. Yeah. Um, the girl Scott and the girls and I went on this month long month long road trip like around. Oh, that's incredible. Um, we went uh, from here to Michigan and stayed with family. And I got to see Tim, my brother and, mm. and his sister and hi- hang out there. Um, and then we visited with Scott's family and some of my uh, family. And then we went to South Dakota where they are and got to meet the two brothers. And, and are they, did they get, I have so many questions, but did they get, sure. were they raised together or yeah, and yeah. adopted? Were they mm-hmm. adopted as no, well? Or? No, um, so they grew up with um, our biological dad who has actually oh, passed okay. away. No. Uh, which actually is another kind of interesting thing with the medium, like saying, like, mm-hmm. who's Harry? Who do you know named Harry? You know? Yeah. Because um, wow. I guess he was there. Yeah. Right. And, you know, uh, he passed away in 2002. Oh. So, yeah. 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 So he was a musician. Um, and so he had, you know, he was married and had his sons. And um, and then he had gone. Um, they were, I guess things weren't working out very well. And he went on his tour with the band. And then that's when he met my biological mom. And they dated for a while and um, his, my biological aunt got to meet her and said, um, in fact, I got, I have a letter that the aunt wrote um, to, I think my brother and was like, I remember, you know, meeting her. She was very sweet and she worked, I guess she had found her a job and worked for about a month and then went back to where she was from. And, and maybe that's when she found out that she was pregnant or right, something. After she'd left. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so was, your brothers are older. Yes. Oh, got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And um, and like I said, I was saying, I didn't think my biological dad really knew about me, but um, I guess, you know, he had mentioned about a sister to one of the other brothers, mm-hmm. like before he passed away. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. he did know. Mm-hmm. I think he found out somehow. And I don't know, I'm wow. assuming maybe, maybe the biological aunt knew somehow. Right. And you know, told him. But, From your mom. Yeah, but it sounds like that he did know before he passed away. Wow. Mm-hmm. Crazy. That what was that so like? Crazy. I know. <laughs> How did that feel? I it, know. It was, I kind of <laughs> describe it like it's almost like, you know, the final puzzle and like the piece, the mm-hmm. puzzle piece in the puzzle. Because now, you know, I know, I know people on my biological mom's side who I'm close with. Mm-hmm. I have a cousin who has a daughter who's only six months younger than Annabelle. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So all the girls are close. That's great. Um, and, you know, even though I was really close with my mom and dad growing up, um, my mom and I, you know, both have brown hair and brown eyes and we're about the same height. So there was kind of that. But 
my um, biological dad is, you know, he's like my little, he's my height and has these like bright blue eyes. And my sister has blue eyes and my brother has green eyes. And, you know, and so we don't, I don't really look as much like my biological, I mean, I'm sorry, not my biological. I don't look as much like my adopted family. Um, like I'm tall in the family. Oh, <laughs> how funny. But when I see pictures of me with my biological cousin and my biological brothers and you know, we look a lot alike. So really, they're, they're, it's interesting to see because the only time I saw family resemblance necessarily was when I look at the girls and right. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, she looks like me. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that was really interesting to finally meet people and be well, I think the first time my biological brother sent um, a picture, the ones that I just met. To, uh, Scott said, oh, my gosh, it's like looking at the boy version of you. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That must have felt nice, too, after all that. I mean, at least I would feel that way, mm -hmm. like hearing that or seeing someone that looks like you when you grow up and you don't have any resemblance. Mm -hmm. um, my grandma is just as white as can be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like blonde hair, blue eyes. Like she was the Cinderella of the family. So oh, wow. even her family like kind of tossed her to the side because uh -huh. she didn't look like them. But growing up, I looked very Hispanic. Everyone is like Mexican. And I'm like, no, <laughs> still not Mexican. But my grandma was just very. So they would always ask like they thought that um, like no one thought that I was my grandma's kid. But mm -hmm. I was always like, no, that's my mom. Because like I would call her mom to other people. So I didn't have to explain yes, it. Yes, right. But to I her, I'd be like, hey, grandma. Mom yeah. Or grandma. No, I call her grandma, like me and me and her. But um, with anyone else around, I just say mom because then it's like a whole conversation and right. mm -hmm. and all of that. But for my mom's dad, she has a kind of like she's been hunting for him. Like mm -hmm. my biological mom does not know her real dad. We don't even know his name. We don't know anything. My grandma's not telling much information about it. I don't know Do you why think she knows. She should know. Yeah. I don't. I don't see her as. Um, I just don't know if she wants to tell. Okay. Like, I don't know. I don't really ask a lot of questions. I feel like for my grandma, at least, I feel like if there's something that she wants to tell, she would tell. Kind of like when someone passes away and the first question someone asks is like, how did they die? It's like, well, they would tell you if they wanted to talk about that, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like for my grandma, I've kind of just not brought it up. But now that I'm older, I'm kind of like, I want to know what I am because I'm a total mutt, like 100%. I'm just like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But there's like that 25% that's like 100% unknown. And my mom struggled with that a lot growing up. And she's always like telling us, you should get a um, DNA. You should go on there. And I'm like, why are you telling me? Like, you should. Right. <laughs> and I never thought that they were useful. So it's really interesting to see your experience. I mean, you found a whole family. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how that even worked, ancestry or any of that. Do, do, do they only get information from people that put their information in or yeah. that's how it works? So yeah. the more people, mm -hmm. I'd be very interested to find out because yeah. yeah, I never yeah. considered I mean, it. My, my brother's daughter bought him the ancestry kit for his birthday or something. Wow. And he said that he kind of held on to it for a little while and then like just something told him to send it in and I literally was about to cancel the ancestry DNA because like nothing wow. I hadn't found anything except mm -hmm. for you know the couple of aunts and the cousin that I already knew about everything else was like oh fourth cousin and you know it's like you what do you do with someone you're just like a fourth cousin you're yeah. like, I guess we're related but it's like far. it's like you may have great great grandparents in common and I'm like Okay. Uh, who cares? I, you know, yeah, like you mean move from the wagon train? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All exactly. right, okay, good. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that was like such an interesting thing that, um, 
you know, that he decided to send it in when he did. Mm-hmm. Because if, right. he, if he had waited, you know, even another month, I might not, I might have canceled the membership and right. not, you know, ever found each other. Kind yeah. It's so, meant to be. Exactly. So mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Such a cool story. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you found your brothers. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Wait, did you go on there for medical purposes or this was before? Like, did you, were you in, like, no, it was motivated all, it was all to, after I it was all cancer. after? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you have cancer and you have kids, there's that, it just kind of heightens everything where you're kind of like, you. I want to know mm-hmm. if there's anything else. Because, I mean, I grew up not knowing medical history and I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, you feel a little bit like a ticking time bomb because yeah. you're like, you don't know what's in the family. And right. and now it's interesting. I mean, there's still things that that pop up, like I'll post something um you know, about having anxiety and they're like, oh yeah, that runs in the family, you know, or, <laughs> runs you know, in yeah. everyone nowadays. <laughs> All right. Or, I, you know, I found out at my last physical that I'm borderline pre-diabetic and then the, you know, the aunt's like, oh yeah, you know, I have diabetes and your aunt has diabetes kind of thing. And then actually, interestingly enough, um, that aunt, the same aunt that I talked to when I was diagnosed with breast cancer was actually just diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. wow. Yeah. So there wasn't, breast cancer in the family but now like I had it and now she was just diagnosed with it too wow Wow. Uh, just since I saw you last that's crazy Mm -hmm. how's she Mm -hmm. doing she's doing good she's you know she's um a fighter you know she's Mm -hmm. gonna do whatever she has to do and um I think I don't know that hers has the hormone aspect to it so she's actually gonna have to do more chemo than I had to do Um, so she'll do chemo and then surgery and then radiation but she's she knows she's ready for it ready for the fight Mm -hmm. exactly exactly and she has family around her to help which is nice that is good yeah where is she michigan michigan okay Mm -hmm. very nice that's good yeah yeah it's kind of a good idea for people kind of like in my shoes who i don't i don't really care to know more family i guess i'm just like i have enough like so much drama with family i'm such a hermit i'm like i'd rather not but again i don't have kids i don't have that need where i'm like my kids should be around family but i don't think i ever consider yeah that's (laughs) That's not necessarily true yeah um but i i never considered actually doing that but i've also never thought about maybe you would need it because i've also been asked like what is your medical history or you do you have any of this? I'm like, not that I'm aware of. I said that since day one. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. And I hit a lot of health issues last year. Mm-hmm. Um, 2019 was just like the year where everything started going down for me. And I started to consider like, well, maybe I should know more because I don't. My my grandma was so hush hush about everything mm-hmm. that sometimes I joke that like, are you even my real grandma? Right. <laughs> like what really <laughs> happened? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because they were so hush hush for so long and like, she just says, oh, you're a kid. I don't want to, you know, there's so much drama. We don't want to tell you all the drama. We want mm-hmm. you to have like the, as much of a childhood as you can. And once I turned 18 and I got hit with all of it, I was just like, oh, no, let's go back to yeah. <laughs> this is what they try to protect you from. Uh-huh. But it's just interesting because my sister, my little sister, she um, sees everything. Oh. She sees everything. And for me, my mom, my biological mom, I never lived with her. But when I would visit her in high school and stuff like that, I very much knew my mom was the friend. So mm. like for that, was it you that said your mom? Um, yeah. So my mom, she was just not she's very motherly in an aspect of like love and this and make lunches and want to hug you and like over like too much love for me. I was like a tin baby. But for um, any kind of discipline or any kind of thing a mom is supposed to do, 
that's not her forte. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't have boundaries, limitations, like no rules at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And um, my little sister grew up with that full time. And when I brought her in, it was so apparent that she had no rules. And I found a lot of like um, for like with my mom when she was losing like her mind pretty much. And when I took my little sister in, it was like such an interesting dynamic because I saw my mom go from like fighter, like, no, I'm not going to lose this child as well to almost like she was like defeated. Like, oh, mm. okay. Like Courtney's going to take on. And she kind of just like checked off being that like motherly role a hundred percent to the point where she wasn't even like a friend anymore. So it was like, I saw layers of my mom from like, her process of when she was 20 to now she just turned 50 last month um she has has these layers of like first it was my older sister that she lost quote unquote and then it was me and then 12 years later it's my younger sister and each time I've seen like a layer of my mom kind of just like be removed Mm. if that makes sense deteriorate where now it's like I don't even recognize her anymore because Mm. she had that like mom as her badge of honor, but she was never like, um, like the disciplinary mom. Mm. I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say, (laughs) but it was just like, now that I see her and she's like, not really, um, a mom. It's like so hard to say because when you're a mom, you're always a mom. You can't just like, you're not a mom now, but how she identifies, how she like, how she is, is she's like, 100% a friend now and I think before when I was younger my sisters and I and I have like other siblings from my dad that I don't I don't even know their names unfortunately but um it's just like my dad had a completely different experience through all of it and I think that's an interesting conversation like my dad has never been like he's had kid after kid after kid and everyone else is raising his kids but for my mom it was like this each time that she kind of lost the battle she like lost herself and now she's to the point where like she's really struggling she she's having a really hard time mentally after she lost willow my little sister um and i just think it's such a different dynamic that i've seen from like my mom to my dad in comparison like my dad it's almost like he never lost his kids like he truly never claimed it yeah probably on some level yeah and like he never once like really he was there but like calls and graduations and stuff like that but it's just like such a different dynamic of even for my grandma when she raised us there was no men around at all Mm -hmm. so I kind of grew up seeing it as like women do it all women are the only ones that get affected like like I had such a bad um I don't want to say that I hated men because I know we're nowhere near that but I had this thought in my mind that like men didn't have a responsibility mm-hmm. that like it like not only on a like legit level, but on an emotional level, mm. I saw it as like, Oh, each time something happens, my mom, I can see the effect it happens. Right. But for my dad, it was just like nothing happened. <laughs> right. Nothing at all happened. And I think seeing what's going on with my sister, it's just a completely different dynamic because now her dad, he's just, 
a nightmare, but he's mm. fighting for her. So it's like it's a little bit different where I'm seeing as an adult just a completely different perspective because I feel like I'm I was adopted and I'm seeing the process of my little sister happen. But I didn't have the issues that my sister had because she sees mm. everything right. like she knows what's happening with my mom. She knows her dad is a dick. She knows mm. like all of the things. And I'm just so curious to see her grow up. Because now that I'm more aware, I feel like I'm able to see a little piece of myself in her, even if our experience was different, um, because she grew up with both of her parents. But it's a bad experience <laughs> mm -hmm. of growing up with her parents in comparison to like if I would have done that, I can see how my life would have turned out because of my little sister and what she's going through. So I'm really grateful that I was adopted. I'm grateful for going through the foster system. I'm grateful for the families that like didn't keep me and all of that because um, I don't know where I would be right now right. if I stayed with my family at all. With the, with your my with your biological mom and dad, family? yeah, okay, my biological one. Well, I, yeah. I was looking up some statistics about adoption. 135,000 mm -hmm. children are adopted in the United States every year. Oh, wow. That's wow. a lot. I was thinking about it when I was driving over here thinking like, um, you know, I hear people like maybe our age adopting kids, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't feel like I know a lot of people our age who are adopted. Yeah. For some reason. I agree. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I, I don't agree. know. I mean, it's, you know, if it was not as prevalent then when, mm -hmm. you know, we I was little mm -hmm. or because I mean, especially then I think now I think adoption has gotten a lot more complicated whereas yeah. yes. you know my mom and dad who were my foster parents just decided that they wanted to adopt me mm -hmm. and so they were able to adopt me yeah whereas now it might have been they were my foster parents but then they would probably have to go through some other big long process if yeah. they wanted to adopt me and they might not have gotten to adopt me mm -hmm. you know I think it is more complicated and and that's really a shame because there are so many kids There's in the so foster many. care system mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. could use a good right. stable home mm -hmm. uh, Bert and I've talked many many times about thinking about taking in foster kids mm -hmm. when uh, I, when life slows down yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but life Whenever just we didn't is. have anywhere to put yeah. them in this house uh -huh. we're maxed out for space in this house but we were like if we had one more bedroom mm -hmm. we could totally do i'm not that a kid can't share a room with one of our kids but we feel like that may be a lot to ask yeah, our kids right. you know mm -hmm. but to ask of ourselves to have if we had one more we've talked about it a lot because I think there's just, it's just so hard being a kid as it is mm -hmm. to have no stability and no boundaries. You yeah. know, a lot of kids need, you know, consistent boundaries, um, especially kids that have been struggling or, or just kind of making it by the seat of their own pants for yeah. so long to have a place to lay your head down and go, okay, ABC is covered. Mm -hmm. I actually don't have to worry about what I'm eating mm -hmm. and where I'm sleeping. Right. I mean, what an amazing gift. And there's so many people in this country in particular that could do that, myself included. I mean, you know, that's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's crazy. I have a friend who adopted through the foster care system. Her daughter is Isla's age. They were best friends in preschool, mm -hmm. uh, the two girls. But very similar where she... Um, had foster kids that would come and go, you know, because when the parents get their acts together, the right. kid gets to go home because mm -hmm. they, in theory, yeah, in theory, right. the kid is better with their parents. Yeah. And I understand the logic 
the like the reasoning behind that, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it's necessarily yeah. always true. Right. You know, I 100% agree with that yeah. because that's yeah. why my little sister is with her dad right now. Because because he's the her dad's are like any situation is better if the kid is with their parents. Right. So pretty much what we're doing is we're giving it a year so the courts can see that it's not <laughs> that better. it's not the case. Yeah. And but she pays the collateral collateral damage of that exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's lifelong things that you take yes. in, you know. Especially with, at this age. Yeah. My goodness. Twelve? Yeah. Jesus, it's such a scary age. It's very scary. <laughs> um but I remember when uh my parents divorced when I was seven and the judge obviously awarded custody to my mom because it was 1977 mm-hmm. no dad gets mm-hmm. their daughter yeah i mean but i wanted to live with my dad that's mm-hmm. what when when i was asked where would you like to live i said with my dad and the judge went yeah you're living with your mom wow so i knew i was living with i was living in she i was always had food always had a roof always had stability like that mm-hmm. but not emotionally stable household for me not a safe household for me Mm -hmm. emotionally at all and i knew my dad's household i also had food and shelter and some stability Mm. so i was wise enough and experienced enough with these two people to know i needed to be with my dad (laughs) and so the judge said you know when you're 13 you can make the choice Mm -hmm. and i literally counted the days till i turned 13 yep and the minute the minute I graduated eighth grade, my dad came to the eighth grade graduation in a moving van. Oh, wow. And I was like, peace out, That's lady. Cute. I'm <laughs> leaving. I waited as long as I had to, and I'm out. Yeah. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I just had to make it those six years. Yeah. But that six years that was, I, took me, I'm still untangling. It changes your life. Yeah. Still untangling. Yeah. I don't understand that portion of the foster care. Of course, mm-hmm. you want the parents to get their act together of course yeah everybody does Mm -hmm. love that kind of phoenix story of someone who's on bad times and turns their life around and can take their kids back and make that work but Mm -hmm. i think that's probably not the norm right Mm -hmm. and there's something to be said i think about you know like my biological mom knowing um enough to really kind of sacrifice and give me and my brother Tim both of us up for adoption because she just knew that you know that just wasn't something that she could do was to raise a kid so I think there's you know there's that side of it too where um you know I don't know really what was going on in her life at that time um but I know you know that was why I think that was my whole thing behind meeting her was wanting to let her know because I thought she must wonder Mm. you know whatever happened and if I had a better life or a worse Mm -hmm. life or that kind of thing and so um so yeah I mean it's kind of it's both sides it's like amazing there are foster parents out there that will take in kids not knowing what kind of baggage they're bringing with them right and then there you know are the the biological parents who you know make that Sometimes they're taken away, mm-hmm. you know, um, but sometimes they're just like they realize that I just can't do this. And mm-hmm. right. my daughter will be better off with someone else. Kind right. Of like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been looking up. I'm, I'm a researcher, too. So <laughs> <laughs> like Google, um, I read that there since like just this last several years, probably four or five years, there's a huge increase in adoption. Um, adoption within families or within oh. within friend groups because of the opioid epidemic. Oh God, yeah, yeah, and that a lot of um, a lot more schools are putting notices to like the city that 
kids are staying with friends a lot. Kids are staying with aunts. There's a lot of unofficial guardians that are happening. And um, when I went through the whole process with my little sister last year, when we had a bunch of people, we had a bunch of social workers always coming to the house. I'm like, I have nothing to hide. There's one too many dogs here. That's about it. <laughs> as long as we're good with that, that's okay. we're all good. But um, she would, the social worker was telling me a lot of how um, the adoption process is so hard and so expensive and so long that so many people now have um, like unofficial agreements mm -hmm. with family members or family friends um, where they say, instead of going through the foster care system, um, would you hang on to my kid for a few years while I get my shit together? Mm -hmm. And um, I also read that the average amount of time that kids are in foster care is two to three years. Mm. And I wonder if that is because they're waiting to see if the parents are going to get it together. Cause that was my case right. when I was in a family, that family that I was in, we weren't supposed to be there permanently. It was like, she, um, the lady and the, the couple had kids temporarily mm. and they had like triplets at one mm. point, like just tons of kids that would come and go. And that's why my sister eventually like got booted because there was too many kids right and since she was older they thought that she would have a better chance which is just so weird because you would think it's opposite you well i would think that they wouldn't want to separate her from her sister yeah i know that really surprised yeah. me. yeah but that's what actually had gave my grandma the upper hand oh, is they were separated. to keep us together yeah got it so that's how she was able to to get well why couldn't she just why did she need to have an upper hand that I have no idea. That's also what's so interesting to me is that I don't understand why we went from my mom. We were taken from my mom. And um, you were taken like by the state. Yes. That's why we became. Um, how how was that discovered? Do you know? I mean, um, how, how? I don't understand. I don't know if where we were living in Santa Monica, I think a neighbor may have made a complaint mm -hmm. about my mom. Maybe I don't know if it was leaving us or I don't know. Again, a lot of shady right. hiding things, but um, I 100% know that we were taken from my mom. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like brand new, like straight up just out the womb. And my sister was two. So between me being a newborn to two and a half, three, I had like several houses that I was in. Wow. Yeah. That's and the really whole little. time my grandma was trying to get custody. But my mom was also living part time with my grandma at the time. Um, like not even part-time, like my grandma would wake up and she would be sleeping like on the porch or something like that. And my grandma says that's why like the courts, the courts thought maybe that she was trying to get custody back for my mom mm. is what she would say. But, um, once she did finally get custody, she cut everyone off. Like my mom wasn't allowed to come around. My dad wasn't really allowed to call. Like it was very much so like there was no men around men out in the house. She's very strict. Like <laughs> even when I was in high school, I wasn't allowed to go to friend's house that had guys there. Like So she didn't date while you were kids? She had no boyfriends? She no dated um, but they didn't live in the house. Right. Like she um she had someone I call Poppy and he is my native side. Um he still to this day I talk to him, but they dated for several years when I was in foster care and I think three or four years afterwards, but he, they didn't live together. Mm. And I'm pretty confident it was because of us. Right. Like she, I don't think that she was allowed to bring in someone. Right. Um, 
when we were in, when I was in high school, she had a friend who moved in who I see as like my grandpa. He passed away and he was like my, like my cheerleader, like my number one cheerleader. Um, But they're very tough. Like I didn't grow up in a house where it was like, (laughs) you know, normal. They were like, just a funny, funny example. If they cook dinner and my grandma, I'm like, and she's like do you want to play court and I'm like yeah she's like all right get up and get your plate and I'm like okay (laughs) and then like the second after like wash your dishes so I'm like don't other parents wash dishes for (laughs) for the kids (laughs) so I grew up I'm always very strict like clear the plate or set the table and Uh different things it's funny because we have a uh, almost 13, nine and just turned five and I always tell people I'm trying to get the two older ones to get their own water and I'm trying to keep the then four-year-old to keep her from yeah. getting her own <laughs> right. water. You know, so it's like the five-year-old wants to do everything and the older ones want to do nothing. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> that's really funny, Tanya. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Dichotomous household. Uh-huh. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I think you're both pretty lucky to have been adopted mm-hmm. by Agreed. some lovely right. women and man. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's, that's one thing when I started finding out a lot of this biological stuff, I worried about how my mom, you know, that raised me would react because I didn't want to take anything away from mm-hmm. our relationship because she's, you know, like my best friend and we're super close and everything. And she had the most wonderful response. She was like, the more people that love you, the better. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's a lovely human. Yeah, I know. And so now, you know, I have I feel like I have like five families. Yeah, I have my family I grew up with. My my biological brothers, sister and I are close. I have my in-laws. I have, you know, my biological dad. And, you know, it's just it's yeah, it's 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 turned into this. Like big, my family tree would be going all kind of different directions. It'd be a family forest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'd have a family forest. I have a family twig. Uh Well, you know, love is love. Yeah, so exactly. take it where you can get it. Exactly. That's something I figured out too growing up. doesn't need to come from my mom. Mm-hmm. That, exactly. not, not at this age when you're a child yep. and it breaks things that you don't have it. You have mm-hmm. such a great opportunity to patch those break, broken places with people who really love you. Yeah. Where there's no doubt mm-hmm. or or insecurity in that love. And that's such a gift. Yeah. And to, for you to have mm-hmm. five families... <laughs> Yeah. What a gift that came out of being adopted. Yeah, That's exactly. a huge gift. Exactly. And maybe your gifts maybe aren't as clear. Yeah. You may not <laughs> have a forest. Some time to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to But say. what <laughs> I get from your discussion, my discussion with you, mm-hmm. is that even with all these maybe broken things that happen, you're able to look outside at your sisters, yeah. both of them, and mm-hmm. your mother and your dad and say, I don't want that for myself, yeah. which exactly. is scary mm-hmm. because sometimes you go, well, then what do I want? Yeah. Because I don't have an example for that. Mm-hmm. But that's an amazing opportunity. Also, it's an yeah. opportunity to, to build. This is the way I looked at it for me. I get to do whatever I want yep. because I don't have a map. Mm-hmm. I got no map. And that's true for people who you have draw good, your own you know, positive yeah. backgrounds, too. But sometimes I think when you have a traumatic background, it's harder to make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why, yeah. but I think it is unless you, making the different choice is is a lot more efforted, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. because you have all these things holding you down, insecurities and abandonment issues and yep. fear. and. But that's great that mm-hmm. you are you came out of this being very self-reflective yeah. and saying, huh, why am I triggered here? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening for me? And 
the root of the problem is where you have to go. Yeah. You know, you have to go to that. Oh, I'm I'm afraid of being abandoned. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't leave the house without a snack. Now that's not a necessarily a bad thing. Now I know who I'm gonna hang out with outside of my house. I go, Tanya's got the snacks. Yeah. Let's go. Where's Tanya? She'll have a snack. That's a positive. But the but the like it came from a negative place. Mm-hmm. Right. Came from right. an insecurity about food. Right. And I remember, I mean, when I was little, we went on road trips a lot as a family and I always remember having my little bag of snacks. It's like so <laughs> yeah. funny. I totally remember always having that. I think that is so <laughs> adorable. Yeah. That's amazing and adorable. It is. One tip that I actually have that my therapist brought to light to me that I was like, whoa, buddy, that is real, is um, I grew up with a lot of the family members. I have a very small family, as you can hear. <laughs> and the family that did grow up, they didn't really work a lot. Like they kind of like settled with what they had. My grandma, she's a teacher. So she's always been a teacher. She works with like um, not so privileged kids. And she um, like everyone. Where, where was I going? Oh, the tip therapist. The tip. The tip. <laughs> um the therapist told me that I a lot of the things I didn't like about my childhood or my family that I said like, oh, this is something that I see that I don't want for myself. I like made it very dramatic, like for my family who kind of went like paycheck to paycheck, didn't really work. I became a, an extreme workaholic. Right. <laughs> like there's things where I saw things. I went the extreme opposite way. Yeah. And my therapist brought light to a lot of the ways right. I did that. She was just like, you could be different from your family without being like the extreme opposite of right. them. And I think right. that really changed things for me where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, OK, I get right. it. Like I don't have to be a thousand percent opposite. I could just be my own me. And like make my own way without doing that. That's even something as simple as, you know, having gone through what I went through, the being passed around. And then once I had Ava, not wanting to be away Mm -hmm. from her. Right. And even now I feel like I struggle being away from the girls for too long. Like, you know, looking for a full time job. I'm like, okay, but then I'm going to be away from them from nine until five. And then Mm -hmm. what if they need me at three? And, you know, so I still feel like I definitely still struggle with that kind of thing but it's the extreme so I went from the one extreme of being passed around to the other extreme like trying to hold on almost too tight Mm -hmm. to loved ones I suppose I think trauma does that to you Mm -hmm. it makes you find the exact opposite Mm -hmm. if you want to get out of it and it is not necessary no it's just not necessary Mm -hmm. um I my I my I thought the root of a lot of my mom's problems were was her sexuality Mm -hmm. so I cut my hair off and wore boys clothes for years thinking I will be the opposite Mm -hmm. of sexy yep and then at a certain point you go well I want to be kind of sexy the root of her problem (laughs) was mental illness yeah the root of her problem was not that she liked to have sex she liked to have sex because she's mentally freaking ill so let's just not be mentally ill and then you're knocking it out of the park so I think that's true for a lot of things yeah yeah. you know we we grasp for things to to help us cope Mm-hmm. You know, it's really to help you cope. Right, right, right. And I'm also along the like the lines of thinking as far as like, you know, you have to in a way take we're adults. Yeah, you know, we have to take responsibility for yes. ourselves. Yes, you yes. can't, you know, act a certain way and then say, oh, well, I'm acting this way because of what happened to me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, that happened to you when you were a kid. But, you know, but now you're an adult. Yeah, especially if you're aware of it. So many yeah. people aren't yeah. even aware that that's why they act that way. Mm-hmm. If you're self-aware, which is even harder, I think I'm like too self-aware sometimes but when you are it's like you there's so much more of a responsibility on your end to do that work 
Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's why it's like so obvious to me sometimes when I'm around people that haven't done the work and I'm just like, oh, you got a lot of things you got to work through, girl. Like, yeah, <laughs> this no. isn't a problem between us. This is something that happened in your childhood. But it's just okay. nice to be around people who even recognize that as like, oh, before I would this would really this mm-hmm. would really get me. Because I have a lot of moments like that, too, where when I brought in my little sister, there were so many moments where I was like reacting and I was just like, oh, no, this is this is me reacting because of how I was brought up. And Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting. I think like if I were to have kids and your kids like they have a totally different experience of what we you know, if anything, if one of us didn't have a lot of love, then you want to give all the love. And then your kid is like, I have too much love. (laughs) My kids will probably grow up feeling like my mom was smothering me. Yeah, I was so interesting. I couldn't move without her kissing me. Always have so many snacks. I'm not even hungry. (laughs) She was always trying to feed me. My backpack weighed 80 pounds just from the snacks. That'll be their memory of it. You're probably right. I feel that way too. I feel like I overcompensate. I give what I needed. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and they don't need necessarily need that much. That's so funny. Well, I think this was a great conversation. Yeah, it was. I'm so glad we got to to talk about it. Um, Yeah, it's so many people listening, I'm sure have someone adopted in their mm-hmm. family or were adopted themselves. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. thinking about adopting. Yeah. yeah or thinking yeah. about adopting. Yeah. It really can. Ch- I mean, stupid I mean, thing yeah. to say. It really can change someone's right. life. Yeah. I love when I'm someplace and, you know, I, I birthday party a couple weeks ago. I think I met a woman and she said her son was adopted and I'm like, I'm adopted. Yeah. You know, and then I think they kind of look at you like, oh, you're adopted. You're, mm-hmm. you know, here I'm talking to you and you seem like this totally normal, great yes. person. And, yeah. And, you know, I think that helps people. Yeah. I get that a lot, which I'm like, is there some kind of stigma that like <laughs> no, you know what it is? don't make it Nobody out Nobody likes something? to feel alone. Yeah. Nobody likes to feel alone. Yeah. Doesn't matter the problem. Breast cancer, mm-hmm. schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. I'm adopted. Yeah. I have too many dogs. Yeah. You know, we all like yeah. to <laughs> find someone else so you, you're not alone. I think mm-hmm. that's the that's the base of a lot of mental health issues Mm -hmm. in in our country now is that people feel very alone Mm -hmm. not not major mental health but like just general malaise yeah depression anxiety is that they feel like they're the only person who had Mm -hmm. this experience or feels this way or or can talk about this topic because they're the only one and it's just not true there there's almost every single issue almost you can find someone else who's had a similar enough story mm-hmm. that you can go, I'm not alone. Right. And if we don't yeah. talk about these things, then how are we supposed to know that? Mm-hmm. Right. That's and why it, I love yeah. podcasting. Me too. It's because so many times I'm listening on a podcast, just walking a dog or washing dishes, and I'm like, wow, I'm not the only one. Yeah, me and too. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm the it's, same it's, thing. It's incredible. It, it is really incredible. Is. That's why it's just so silly for me. I was driving here and I was just like, ah. I hope I can like help because I didn't know you were also adopted. I was like, um, people are going to get so upset. I'm not representing the people that don't know their biological parents or that weren't raised by their their grandparents or whatever. And I was just like, that is just stupid. Like, shut yeah, up. Yeah, like, exactly. So many yeah. people, if you're going through something, millions of other people mm-hmm. are going through. I heard this weird Lately. stat that's like, if you think you're the ugliest person in the world, this is a terrible example. <laughs> but if, <you're, laughs> if you think you're like the ugliest person in the world and and you think 99% of the people won't be attracted to you, 1% is still like millions of people. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we all have hope. We're good. <laughs> I'll take that stat. Yeah. I'll take that stat. So like, if even 1% of people can't re- can relate to my story today, mm-hmm. that's good enough for me. Because me too. That's, you know, so many people, 
have things like at least it's not some weird fetish, you know, we're just adopted. It's, it's that's all that it is. Mm-hmm. And I think even for me growing up, I don't I never felt ashamed for it. But I no. think growing up, not talking about it a lot. Now I'm like, well, was I, you know, and I never saw it as a negative. No. And I think, you know, that's a credit to my biological parents, probably, yeah. you know, because they always made me feel like that I was chosen, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You were yeah. chosen. You yeah. were. Yeah. I think you're lucky when mm-hmm. you're adopted. You're mm-hmm. more lucky than than kids who are just born to their parents. Yeah. I mean, you were chosen. That's yeah. a great. That's mm-hmm. amazing thing mm-hmm. to feel and mm-hmm. perspective to have a glass mm-hmm. half full entirely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two oh, percent. I thought you said two. I was going to say two percent were ugly. Yeah. <laughs> That'd yeah. be an interesting one. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're wrong. It's two percent yeah. of the people who are ugly. They um, still have hope. Two percent of people of the population are adopted. Wow, oh, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you, ladies, for coming. Thank you. Thank you for, you for chatting. Us. It was fun. This was fun. All right, till our fast. next chat. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we should.